Sorry. Let's go to Hebrews. Hebrews. I want to speak on finances. Just encourage you guys. Hebrews chapter um, 13 and verse 5. I read this before, but every time I read this, it just blesses me so much. Hebrews 13 verse 5. Um, <clears throat> it says, Let your conversation be without covetousness. That conversation, if you study it out, it, it actually means your life. Let your life be without covetousness. And be happy with such things as you have. For he has said, now listen, the four in this verse is what blesses me. He says, For he has said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Isn't that awesome? So that we may boldly say, The Lord is my helper, and I will not fear what man shall do unto me. Now the context there is finances. That, that's the, the true context. It says, don't be covetous. Don't, don't be covetous. Don't worry about what you'll have tomorrow. Because he has said, I will never leave you or forsake you. Now every person, all the time, can be stressed about money if you live on this planet. That's the way it is. The guy that's poor worries because where's he going to get money? The guy that's rich worries because he's going to lose his money. That's the way it is. You can, you can go and see most people that's rich worry about investment. And they're on the computer all the time to see what the stock exchange is going to do, what the house price is going to do, what this thing is going to do, because their whole income, this, this, all their life they gave to get this money, and now they, they worry about protecting this. So you can be worried about money. So the end of your worries is not having a lot of money. The end of your worries when it comes to money is resting in the fact that He will never leave you. That's when you stop to stress. It's really, you know, I've, I think I've mentioned here last time, I don't know. Um, <clears throat> I was somewhere and I heard that there's a lady in London that won the, like this UK lottery twice. Now that's a problem. <coughs> Not, I, I can still believe, you know, that she can win it twice. But that's, there's a possibility. Very small, but there is a possibility. But what I couldn't understand was, and I got this revelation is, why if you won it once, would you even go and scratch another card? That means that getting 90 million pounds couldn't satisfy her. And that's a lesson for all of us. That even if you get what you think you must get, you're not going to be satisfied and it's not going to feel, you're going to feel exactly the way you feel right now. Amen. I tell you the truth, you'll feel exactly the same as what you feel right now. You'll feel, oh, this is not enough, I need to save more, I need to watch, oh, we're here, help me. Okay? That's it. Now what it says here is don't be covetous. Don't be covetous. What does that mean? Don't think I must get so much because tomorrow there will not be provision. I do believe in saving money and all those type of things. But what I'm saying is don't let this thing drive your heart where you are so afraid that you're not going to have tomorrow. He said that He will never leave you nor forsake you. Now, when it comes to giving... <coughs> I believe that most people want to give. But because of this thing of what if I don't have, 
you cannot live who you are. You cannot live the desire that there is in your heart. You want to. I mean, I've looked at myself so many times, you know. Uh, the, the other day, <clears throat> there was, there's, a, there's a pastor in Kimberley, and I felt, I want to, man, it would be nice for me to support him. So I felt, I'm going to, I want to support him. But then I look at my money, I think, man, but I can't support him. Then I realized, but why do I have this desire, and now I say I can't, and then live with frustration? No, if I want to do it, I look at what I feel I can afford, and then I do it. I'm not going to wait. I'm going to live it. Because I'm not going to think, well, if I give this guy, say, a hundred rand now, God, then all my, then my whole future is now ruined financially because I've given him a hundred rand. No, no. If I feel I want to do it, I can do it because I don't worry for God will provide for tomorrow. He even clearly states, if you worry by worrying, you, you cannot even add one inch to your stature by worrying. So I want to tell you that we can live our life of giving, we can live our life of business and everything we do from a platform of God has said, He will never leave me, nor forsake me, therefore, the next verse, we can boldly say, what shall man do unto me? For God has said that He will never leave me, nor forsake me. Amen. I want to just, you know, this, this, this is the beginning of a new year. Maybe last year you went through very rough times. This year might not look good. You might have this voice shouting to you saying, you're not going to make it. I want to tell you, God said, I will never leave you, nor forsake you. Now I want to just say how He will never leave us. The, re, the, the way God is with you is through incarnation. Let me explain it. When God became a human being, He was forever joined to mankind. Now when we believe upon Him, we are making use of His union with the human race. Because He became a human being representing everyone. So for God to leave you, He needs to take His Spirit out of Jesus. And Jesus needs to die. Okay. So it's not an emotion in the heart of God that says, well, I like you, you know, you, 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 uh, you, you're just such a, a, a pretty person, and you know, yes, you are Oluk and everything, therefore I'm not going to leave you. No, no. The foundation from where God says, I will never leave you, is the foundation of His incarnation into human flesh, which sits at the right hand of the Father. He cannot leave you. It is impossible. Jesus needs to die. And the Bible says He was raised to live forevermore. He cannot leave you. So when you look at Jesus, and you think of Jesus seated at the right hand of the Father, you know that your financial security and provision is sure. And we give and live from that perspective. Amen. Isn't that awesome? Thank you, Jesus. You will not hear that message um, when it comes to sowing and reaping and tithing and all those type of things. Because, you know, so many times we've got this confidence saying, you know, I know God's going to meet my need for I've got some seed in the ground. No, no, no. I know my needs are met for I have got a representative before the Father. Hallelujah. And my giving flows from generosity that's inside my heart. Amen. Right, let's get into what I want to minister. I, did that encourage you? Yes. Hallelujah, man. 
when I just say that, it, it's just such a blessing, you know, how things work out. And I can just testify with Elena and I, God has never, l- listen, God is not on time. He's always late. <laughs> j- j- just realize that, okay? He's not on time, He's always late. But ask Lazarus, even if he's four days late, he's still on time. So, <laughs> I, I've seen it that well. But He does provide. He always provides. Amen. He always cares for us. Thank you, Jesus. Okay. Right. When it comes to faith, um, is, is the sound on there, everything? When it comes to faith, we need to understand that it's a very, very important part of our walk with God. There are, there's a doctrine that's becoming, in certain areas becoming bigger, other areas becoming smaller, which says that you don't need faith to be saved, that God will just save the whole world. Faith is not needed. Now that is not true. It's not in the Bible. It's simply not true. Many people say, but Adam made everybody a sinner, which I believe, and now Jesus came and He made everybody righteous, which I believe, according to Romans 5.19. But that doesn't mean that everybody is saved. If we don't understand what we have been saved from and what we've been saved unto, we are in trouble and we will start to interpret Scripture out of its true context and we will just be confused. Now, if you look at the word faith, the word faith, I went and checked this out, is mentioned 229 times in the New Testament. The word love is only mentioned 157 times. So there was something about faith. Now, when I hear the word faith, and and, let me put it this way, for many years, when I heard the word faith, inside my heart I became tired. I had the emotion of disqualification. Because will my faith be big enough? Will I have enough faith? Because I was thinking that faith is this thing that I do to get God to do something for me. Or faith is, God has got... In Christ, He brought all the blessings to heaven, and now if I've got enough faith, then the angels will release these blessings towards me. Now, I wrote something um, that I want to just read to you. Just, uh, and, and man, this just came to me, and I wrote it down and, and, and published it. This is what it says. It says, God does not look at your faith to give you something. Your faith allows you to make use of what He has given you by His faith. Let me say it again. Your faith does not get God to give you something. Your faith allows you to make use of what is given you by His faith. Okay. (laughs) Isn't that awesome? So God came and he, He became a human being, Jesus Christ. And Jesus walked by faith. And by His faith, He got some things right. What He got right by His faith is to fulfill the law. He got it right. He got it right to move mankind to the place where man is not justified before God by works. He got it right to move mankind into a place where mankind is justified by faith. I will explain that. So Jesus did something for us. What did Jesus Christ get right by His faith? He got it right to remove all your sins from you. I just want to explain this. uh, I, I've preached about, about the Lamb of God many times, and this is a thing that you can mention in every message. Jesus Christ, when He walked on the earth, He was called the Lamb of God by John the Baptist. 
What does Lamb of God mean? The Lamb was that which, was, which took the sin of a man upon him and then died with that sin. And then, then the sin of the man died in the Lamb and the perfection of the Lamb came upon the man. So when Jesus was called the Lamb that is slain for the sin of the world, what does that mean? That means the sin of the world came upon him. He died and the perfection of the Lamb came upon the world. Hallelujah. So he, Jesus got something right by his faith. He got it right. Okay. But now, by our faith, we make use of what he's given by his faith. Now let me explain that again according to what I wrote here. God does not look at your faith to give you something. He used his faith and already established something. Already established. But our faith allows us to make use of what he has established. Let me give you a good, a good example. Mercedes-Benz got it right. To give you a reliable car. Okay? You got it right. Say you get a good salary. You already got the salary. You can now go and buy a car. So now you can go and buy a Mercedes or a Toyota or a BMW or a whatever. Now let's say that Mercedes is now the best one for you. If you have been brought up that Nissan is the best car there is. Even though Mercedes-Benz has provided that, that which would protect you in an accident, reliability, comfort, and everything for you, your heart will not allow you to drive a Mercedes. It will not allow you. Because you are persuaded that Nissan is the best car. So if you can have faith that Mercedes is the best, then you will allow yourself to make use of what was provided. But if you believe something else, if you are persuaded of something else, your heart will not allow you. So it is not Mercedes-Benz that's looking, saying, listen, uh, when you come into the dealership, there's a faith meter, looking if you've got enough faith in the car, and then they phone head office, and say, well, this guy's faith has hit the green mark, then head office says, okay, you can give him the car. No, no, no. It's already given from Mercedes-Benz. Already given. It's what you can allow yourself to have. Hallelujah. <laughs> so our faith. And that, now, now listen. So when God came and He gave the message of faith, when Paul preached on faith, when Abraham believed God, when Jesus, Jesus said wonderful things. He said things like, your faith has saved you. He said, your faith has made you whole. Okay, so we want to understand those things. We want to say, why did Jesus say it like that? Why didn't Jesus say, oh, hallelujah, I'm so glad you came to me, now I save you. Be of good cheer, I have saved you. No, no. He said, be of good cheer, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has saved you. Now, what does that mean? I mean, it's verses that I've always read, never understood. But now I understand and I'm so happy when I saw this grace revelation here because all of a sudden, God has moved away. 
God has moved out of the box where He is the God that wants you to qualify by how much faith you have. We must realize from where mankind has fallen. We must realize from where mankind has fallen. Man, when God made Adam, He made Adam a being that functions by persuasion. We function by persuasion. Or another word for persuasion is faith. So Adam, and the reason why God made Adam that way is because God is that way. He functions out of what he is persuaded of. That's how God functions. So God was in heaven and then he said, let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Why did he say that? Because he was persuaded in his heart that that is good. And the way he made us was exactly the way he is. And then Adam was there and he could live by his persuasion. He could be persuaded of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil or he could be persuaded of the tree of life. And he lived by his persuasion. And your persuasion that you have can either bring you life or bring you death. That's why it's so important to have all the correct knowledge about Jesus and about God's love for you. Because if your knowledge is not correct, you will not be persuaded of who He is. And then you will not be able to make use of what is freely given. Your heart will not allow you to have what is freely given you. You know, I heard the message of grace years ago. I preached it. And I want to tell you, after many years of preaching it, my heart only allowed myself to say, to really say these words without any doubt in my mind, I am holy with the holiness of God. Because it was just knowledge in the beginning. But as I got more knowledge about what He's done and who He is and how much He loves me, my heart allowed myself to be called holy. Amen. Because I got more of the correct knowledge. So if you get the wrong knowledge about something, how will you ever be persuaded? If I tell you, listen man, uh, if I'm just a liar, and I come and I tell you, listen man, Mercedes-Benz, you know, is such a, a, a bad motor car, because it's, people die all the time, the thing breaks down and whatever, you will have knowledge about Mercedes, but you'll have the wrong knowledge and you will not be able to be persuaded of the truth about that. And then your heart will never allow you to drive one. Never. It will even add to the other thing you already believe. And you will be stuck in darkness forever. So it's so important to have the truth in our hearts about who God is. So, um, when man, man was a faith being... Then when Adam sinned, now those of you that listen to the messages on the fulfillment of the law, when Adam sinned, what he did was he said, man will be like God from today by what he does for God. Not by what God has done for man, but by what man does for God. In your ability to work the right thing. Knowledge of good and evil. Now listen to this. And I'm giving a lot of information, but we'll wrap it up now. When the Pharisees came to Jesus, He said to them, How is it that you that are evil can say good things? You are evil, but you say good things. Now what did Adam, what was the sin that he committed? He ate of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So here's somebody that's evil in his heart. The word evil in the Greek means works orientated. 
that's works orientated in his heart, which is an evil thing in the eyes of God, and he speaks good things. Here's a person that says, God can never save you, God can never love you, God can never do anything good for you, unless you measure up to this standard um, of all the good things that you can do for God. If you can measure up to the standard of all the good things you can do for God, then God will be good to you. God sees that as evil. Okay? That's evil. It's not a little bit off the mark, oh, you know, he's mixing the thing a little bit. That, according to God, is evil. It's devilish. Because it's a lie about the very person of God and it robs people to, to uh, 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 make use of what God has freely given them. It robs people from innocence. It robs people from the emotion of not being indebted to God. It robs people from not feeling loved. It robs them. And it kills what God designed for man. That's why God calls it evil. It's, it's actually, if you take it to the book of Genesis and what, what Satan did, it's satanic. Man. <clears throat> it's Satan's way. I don't have time to explain all of that now. But, so, man is a faith being. Here he comes, he falls from that through Adam unto a works being. By your works you will be. To the point that Jesus said to the Pharisees, listen, you are good and evil. You speak good, but your heart's full of evil. I believe he tried to, to, to get their minds to understand that the life they have is born from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and not of God. Right. So why do we need faith? Adam came, robbed man from living by persuasion unto living by works. Then when Jesus came, he took the works thing back so that man could come back to his original design, which is to live by the persuasion in his heart. And now we've got teachings going around saying that you don't need faith to be saved. That's exactly what Satan wanted. That is the law again. Now everybody's saved. Everybody will go to heaven. Now I don't want to condemn people, but I want to just say, God did not come to restore mankind to a lower level than from where he fell. He restored us to our original design. So faith is not God saying, well, let me put some kind of a standard by which they must qualify. No, no. Faith is God dealing with people on the basis of original design. Hallelujah. Thank God, because when I realize this truth, it just takes God out of the, out of the box of a dictator and a bully. Oh yeah, you don't have enough faith, so I will not... Held him with your booty? No, 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 no. He gave everything. He gave everything. What we experience is what our belief will allow us. Now, one of the wonderful meanings of, um, of the word faith, let me just see, I don't want to miss something here. Um, the word faith, yeah. What does the word faith mean? What is faith? It is persuasion in your heart that comes through an argument or credence in your heart. Now, credence come from the word credit. So, faith is the amount of credit Jesus has in your heart. Okay, you go to the bank. <clears throat> you see, I got an F for English in matric. Okay? So, if I want to know, <clears throat> if I want to know what a word means, I go to Webster's. So... <laughs> What does, what does credence mean? What does credit mean? This is what credit means. 
if you've got a credit card, <coughs> credit is the trust or the resting of the mind that you are, the measure of resting of the mind that you are willing to put into somebody through information that comes through others. Now, let me explain that. That means, <coughs> if you go to the bank and you want a credit card, first time ever you've come to the bank, they've never seen you ever. You say, sir, I want, I want to apply for a credit card. Then they look at what others say about you. They go to the credit bureau to see if there's negative stuff about you. No, there's nothing. They have a letter from your boss <coughs> that says you are getting so much money. And what others say builds up credit in the heart of the bank concerning you. And then they say, we can give him 10,000 rand on his credit card. So that credit card actually tells you how much the bank trusts you based on if information they got from anybody but you. Because you will always say I'm trustworthy. Okay. So when we look at Jesus, <coughs> the credit that there is about Him is the measure of persuasion or the faith that's in your heart. And the amount of credit that there is in your heart, the amount of credit He has in your heart, is the measure in which your mind will go to rest about certain things in your life. So if somebody comes and says something about Jesus that does not contribute to credibility of character, your faith goes down. And you will not allow, your heart will not allow you to receive from Him. Let me explain it this way. <clears throat> if somebody comes, you know, and they say to you, and this is now a harsh, a harsh uh, example, but if you, if you will understand. Say there's somebody in town that goes around for molesting children. There's, there's, he's never been found guilty, but that's the word about him. And you want to go away for two days. And this person is a very friendly person and he's also a friend of yours. And he comes and says, don't worry, you can go, I'll babysit your kids. Will you allow him? Your heart. Let's say that the stories about him is false. It's not true. He's a person that just really loves people. He's a good person. Let's say the story is false. It's a false story. It's a lie. He will never do such a thing. He's never even thought of it. But there's a story about him that he's done that years ago. Now, he comes and offers who he is for free to you. But because he doesn't have enough credit in your heart, you will not allow, your heart will not allow you to receive what's offered for free. It's not that he says, well, if you don't have enough faith, I'm not going to do anything for you. He's saying, I do it for you. I'll do it. Will you allow me? And you allowing him is directly connected to your, the level of credit he has in your heart. Isn't that awesome? I, I don't know if this message blesses you, but I tell you, it liberates me. Thank you, Jesus. You know, some people must say, Matthew, you think you're just a good preacher. Listen, we're over that now. We've come to the place where we know the gospel is good. This gospel blesses me. It's the good news. I feel liberated, man. I feel the freedom of God. 
God moved out of the box of faith. You must have this big faith. The faith meter is not in heaven. The faith meter is in your subconscious mind. Your mind says, does this person have enough credit? Your mind says that. A, a good way to call it is, we call it the, 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 the firewall. You know, in a computer, you get the firewall. Is that what they call it? Huh? That firewall is there to stop your computer from getting viruses. Now, the human being's firewall is called protection and safety. So anything that doesn't sound like protection and safety, it filters out. We don't allow it, we don't want anything to do with it. So if God is placed in the category of He will put you through hard times to purify you. I tell you, you can say, I've got five scriptures for it. You can say, my father believed it, my grandfather believed it. You can even be a preacher of that. I want to tell you, your heart does not allow you to make use of God. Impossible. You live in unbelief. You cannot trust. Only, we only trust the design of man by God is <clears throat> to only rest our minds according to the level of credit someone's got. So God came and gave Jesus. This is, and, 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 I, and I like this. <clears throat> God came and gave Jesus to show us who the Father is. For the Father had no credibility in the hearts of people in the Old Testament. For He was just seen as a murderer. But when Jesus came, He condemned no one. The woman that was caught in the very act, now the Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1, He was the very express image of the Father. He said to, to, to uh, Thomas, He said, If you've seen Me, you have already seen the Father. Hallelujah. So, did Jesus ever at night go with an injection with HIV AIDS and injected somebody with AIDS in the Bible so that he can have AIDS, so that he can heal him tomorrow, so that the person can believe in him? Never. Can you imagine Jesus, when he was on earth, walking around with a bucket of cancer. And when people are asleep, giving them cancer to teach them, or purify them or something. Now if you cannot see Jesus on earth doing that, then you're, you cannot see God doing that. Because God can never do such a thing. It is impossible. It ha because preachers, and I, want to, and I include myself, for many years has not understood the truth and the person of God, we have said things about God to try and explain certain things that happen in this world for which we don't have any answers. So why did this guy die, this guy die of cancer? We prayed for him, he didn't get healed. <clears throat> so why? Say, I don't know. That's a better answer. But don't say, don't say, well, maybe God wants to teach me something. Because the moment you say that, the level of credit in your subconscious mind, God is filtered by your belief as a virus. This thing is going to kill me. Now I add to it, 
But if you don't believe in God, you're going to go to hell. What happens now? Your heart resists God, but with your mouth you say, well, he's a good God, hallelujah, and everything, because you're scared you're going to go to hell. I want to tell you, <laughs> Jesus came to give God credibility in our hearts. He was always a God of credibility. But He will give credence. It will give credence to Him in our hearts when we see what Christ has done. What Christ has done is He came, according to Romans 5.19, and obeyed on behalf of every human being. Everyone that Adam disobeyed on behalf of, Jesus obeyed on behalf of. Hallelujah. Out of that, the very person of God is portrayed. That person of God makes the credit level of God rise as you get the revelation of that. As you get the revelation of that, then your heart will allow yourself to make use of what has freely been given. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want to just say this about, about money. My heart has come to a place where God has enough credibility through what is done in Jesus that when God says to me, don't fear, I don't fear. It took years. I want, it took years. Because I would always, I came to church, and after I came to church, for many years I've been bombarded with tithing and sowing and reaping. Putting God in the category of He will never, He doesn't want to actually give you something. But you must first do, then He will bless you. And my mind was programmed with that thing. And as, as I didn't look at that teaching anymore and studied the person of God, I found that my heart has come to the place where my heart would allow, when God says, because God says many things, God says, don't worry, I'll always provide for you. But then in your heart, you, there's not, God doesn't have enough credit for that word to be true. So you will not rest. You will not have peace. You will not have joy. You will stress all the time because you have disqualified yourself. But here's a provider. But there's been a teaching that says, you know, God gives you His Son for free. He gives you the Holy Spirit for free. But He sits on a big box of money in heaven. And you're not getting anything out of Him before you do something for Him. No, no. Listen to grace. Listen to how God does not look at your sin enough until credibility arises and arises and arises in your heart. Where God is seen as a person with absolute credit. Where He's seen as absolutely holy. The best, most friendly person there is that's always got your best interest always at heart that has come to remove every hard thing and difficult thing from us. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Unfortunately, <clears throat> we, we, we were brought up and we were born under a system where God is the guilty one. God is the murderer, God is this, God is that. I just had somebody uh, 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 on the internet <clears throat> write a page about me. Of, of what a false preacher I am. Now can you believe that? This grace message, then somebody writes such a thing. 
And you know what the guy believes? And this is the, the bad thing. He, he's, a, he's a Calvinist. Now what a Calvinist is, is a person that believes that God decides for you. He decides who's going to go to heaven. He decides who's going to go to hell. He, if he must use cancer to heal you, then he will do it. Or, or to get you pure, he will do it. If he must kill your dog to get you happy, he'll do it. That's what they believe. They believe God allows people to be born for the purpose to go to hell because there must be people in hell. That's what they believe. Now, Calvin, I mean, we've got churches in South Africa that's built on the doctrine of Calvin. Of Calvin. So we come out, most of us, we come out of that foundation. And now we want to say, I trust God, and we struggle. Why do we struggle? We struggle because the picture of God does not give credit in our hearts. So the word faith means to be persuaded of somebody's person or to, 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 to have enough credit. The word believe means to have your mind go to rest. Okay, that's what it means. I'm going to end off with this. Jesus came and he said to his disciples in Matthew 14, he said to them, or yeah, to his disciples, he says, Why are you of little faith? Why are you of little faith? This is the question. And so many times, listen, Jesus didn't say, You of little faith, I'm going to kill you. No, no. He, when Jesus asked a question, it was not to embarrass, it was to help. So he said, Why do you have Little faith. Why do you doubt? Okay. Little faith means of small, why do I have small credit in your heart? That's all. Why do I have small, not in a condemning way, because Jesus doesn't try to play on your feelings. You know, when I tell my son, no, why don't you trust me? Many times it will be out of hurt. I'm hurt because why doesn't he trust me? Now Jesus is not hurt by those things. He's stable in his character and in his identity. He doesn't need you to trust him to feel loved. He doesn't need you to trust him to feel that he's special. He feels special because he's the son of God. Amen. So when Jesus asked his disciples, why do you have little faith? He was actually trying to get them to think of what are they listening to? And looking at, that's taking the credit that Jesus is supposed to have in their heart away. See, if I say, why are you of little faith? The question is actually, what are the other things that you hear that's against the very nature of God that takes away credibility in your heart? Amen. The word doubt means... To have two thoughts. Why are you having two thoughts about something? It's like, so vrou gaan skoene koop, jy weet? A woman goes to buy some shoes. Now, which one will I take? Then you buy the one on the way home, after you bought it. You think, Lord, was this the right one? Isn't it? There's another thought. And that's what the word doubt is, to have another thought. Now that thought is born out of something that was told, you were told. 
So when it comes to God, Jesus said, why did you have another thought? Not, why did you have another thought? You know, I'm going to be angry with you. No, no, he tries to teach them that what you think, what you think and the credit in your heart that he has is completely 100% connected to what you listen to. So we cannot afford people. And I'm not here to try and get more people in this church. That's not the vision. The vision is, we cannot cannot afford to listen to any other message than the message of no condemnation, the message of how God removed the sin of the whole world. And that He gave us, He has redeemed man from the law system to live by persuasion. The person that says we don't need persuasion or faith to be saved, he lies. He lies. I'm not saying that because he's against me. It's just the truth. He lies. He lies. Because we are the God type, man. We function from this persuasion. We function from trust. There's Eliana. I'm married now for 16 years. Happily married. I cannot imagine a relationship with her without her having credit in my heart. Impossible. It is impossible. It, is just, it cannot be. I don't want, and no person wants, a relationship with God without Him being a credible God. And I like that word credibility. It is something that you hear from others about Him. Hallelujah. So Jesus came. And spoke something about God. So he gives credit to God. Hallelujah. He gives credibility in the heart of man. He gives God credibility in our hearts. For he came and portrayed God. And then there was a... And here was God in human flesh. Saying to the woman caught in the very act of adultery. I don't condemn you. Saying to the disciples breaking the Sabbath law while they're still chewing the the Quran, saying to them, you are guiltless. You're not guilty. You're innocent. Giving value to people on the basis of who they are and not what they do. Looking further than works, but looking towards the type of person, the, the, the mankind. Hallelujah. I want to tell you, the more credible God is, the more you see grace and love. Now I want to just say this. The firewall in our hearts filters through love. If you don't feel loved, you filter it out. I don't, this is not for me. Now many times we've got a warped idea of love. And we will allow things in because of years of indoctrination of wrong things. But I want to tell you, the only way your heart will really allow the depths of God into you, the only way you will allow yourself to be loved, the only way you will allow yourself to be spoken well of by God is when you see Him as a God of credibility. Now, this is the process. You will first, and, and this is what I've experienced in my life, you first listen to this message. You listen and hear and hear and hear. And then you'll find the effect of it in your heart. Faith, listen, faith is not something you decide to have. It's something that happens to you when you hear the right thing. 
When Jesus came, the Bible doesn't say, and we saw Jesus full of condemnation. It says, and we saw Jesus full of grace and truth. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't that awesome? I want to just plead with you. You know, Paul said something, and this is what I feel in my heart. I believe it's Paul, the writer of the book of Hebrews. He said, don't neglect the gathering of the brethren. Why? Now I want to say why. Many times, I remember when I was in church years ago, I said, don't neglect the gathering of the brethren, for I couldn't face it if the church was empty, because that spoke to me and said to me, you're not a good pastor. Now is it the place is, if this place is full and we get more people, we will, I'm not thinking of getting another place. I'm thinking, let's get another pastor. You know, and uh, another place for the other people. So I don't have to have a big church to feel like something. Really. That's just the emotion. I don't say I'll do it that way, but that's the emotion in my heart. My, who I am is not based on numbers. Thank you, Jesus. So when we can come to the place where we realize that I have been set completely free by the very person of God, by who He is, you will find that the life of God, many, you will manifest in you, you will find the ability to have peace, doesn't matter what the situation says. You cannot just decide. It's something that happens when you hear the right word. That's what it says. How can people be saved unless they hear the word? So God wasn't trying to be difficult, saying, they shall first believe in me, then I'll be good to them. No, no. He was just speaking in line with the design of man. I hope this makes sense to you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. We cannot allow hearts. Hebrews 13 clearly states, we cannot allow hearts to listen to something else. He says, "Come come to this fellowship. Why? Not because you must make the pastor feel good. And this is the true context. For the leader watches out over your soul. Now there are many people that don't watch out over your soul. They watch out for their pocket. Because they want to take up a big offering or something. And I just want to be honest. This is the way it is. But the context of Hebrews was, listen... Make sure you fellowship. I don't care if it's in this, house, in this place or if it's in a cell group, but make sure that you constantly get bombarded with the gospel, the message that gives great credit to God in your heart. That's the truth. And a true leader is somebody that watches out for your soul. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. What you think of. A person that says, I want to make sure that the people here... Think of God as a good God. Because that will allow them to appropriate and make use or make use of what God gives freely. God's not going to give you anything because you believe. God has already given everything. Your belief allows you to make use of what He's given. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray together. Father, I want to thank you for your absolute love. Lord Jesus, when I think of the way you've made me, the way you've made us, I find that I want to protect my heart because any lie will just take away the truth about you in my belief. And I'll make use of things that's not even designed for me. Thank you, Lord, that your word says, 
Incline your ear unto my saying. Put your eyes on what I say. And then you hear my word and then you protect your heart above all things. Thank you, Lord, that I can declare over every person here today, you are forgiven by Jesus Christ. You have been forgiven. I declare over every person, you are innocent because of the blood of Jesus. And God loves you enough and is good enough to have given you this. You can rest your mind in the very integrity of God. You can rest your mind in the friendship of God. Hallelujah. You can rest your mind in the fact that Jesus Christ came and entertained us with salvation free from our works to the point that we desire His presence. Father, thank You for revealing who You are in Jesus, that we can be believers. In Jesus' name. Father, I just pray for every person that is here today. I thank You that they will feel loved. I thank You, Lord, that the Holy Spirit does remind them of what they have freely received in Christ according to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. I thank You, my God, that as they go home today, their hearts are flooded with Your goodness. Thank You for revealing this, my God. Thank you, Lord, for giving me a way into, in which I can explain it to people. Thank you that I can make use of this. We all stand in awe of who you are. You're an awesome God. You're an awesome God. Thank you, Lord. When I think of this, my heart is compelled to preach it to people that's never heard this message, Lord. Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love in Jesus' mighty name. Amen and amen.